Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. In 1942, in the cold desert of a small border town of Texas, a group of kind are kidnapped and mass embraced by members of the fanatical sect, the Sabbat. Out of this group, only a handful survived, and through rituals and mentorship, they became the pack known as the Pale Riders. Representing the Sword of Cain, they are wielded by a mentor to cut deep wounds within the heartland of Mexico to the enemies of the Sabbat. Wars on Fire is a vampire the masquerade Sabbat chronicle that follows the Pale Riders pack that consists of Mitch, a Lazampa played by Adam, Coyote, a Ravenous anti-tribute played by Alex, Eldrick, a Katif played by David, Jasper, a Bruja anti-tribute played by Joaquin, Cora, a Shimizi played by Slavic, and Richard, a Venture anti-tribute played by Tillman. If you'd like to contact us, you can find us on Twitter at twin underscore cities underscore VTM or on Facebook at Twin Cities by Night. We hope you enjoy. After this two years of being alone, one evening you see a figure come up to um come up to where you're staying. And he, mo- he just simply quietly tells you to follow. You guys each follow as this figure leads you out of the monastery, down the path that you came up those two years ago and have since then traveled back and forth. And you eventually cl- come to this clearing that is in the, de- in the middle of these mountains, but it's like a desert clearing. It's almost like a valley of sort, it's, you know, where the mountains are kind of surround you. And this clear, bright moon is out above. And you can almost see, it's almost like having a spotlight shined upon you. And as you come walking into this clearing and come around the bend, you see that there's this huge bonfire that's like across the clearing, you know, on the other end of the clearing that's just burning brightly. And you can smell like the, 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 the smoke of the wood as, and you can hear it snap and pop, even though this clearing may be like 300 yards in diameter, the popping and the crackling of the wood echoes throughout this valley like it's amplified louder than it should be. And you see like this plume of smoke that is like rising to the night sky and in a way kind of like blocks out a little bit of this bright full moon that is like shining down upon it. And you guys are frankly have no idea what, you, you know, you're getting brought down into this valley. And as you are brought down by this figure, and you kind of guys kind of like see each other for the first time as you are walking down this path, even though you're separated, but you kind of for a little bit feel like that connectivity, that, that electricity of connection that you felt with your pack members before. And you come walking into this clearing and you see that there's like about 12 to 15 figures sitting in a circle and you can't really make out features of them, but you can see that they have like, no shirts on and they're wearing pants and they're male and they, they look to be native in a way, not quite Mexican, but more like native American or native to the area. And in the middle of this circle of them, you see two figures standing there. Both are wearing jeans and are shirtless. One is Vidar and one is Elanipi, but you have a hard time making out who they are because Elanipi's face is completely painted black, like with black paint up down to his neck. You can still see rest of his body that has this like light cream color, but his face is lips, nose, everything is painted this dark black paint. 
and he's and you see his his eyes are staring out at you. It almost is like his face is a pool of shadow, and the only the only two sources of any kind of life are his eyes within it. And next to him, you see Vidar, and he's wearing, his face is completely crimson, as if like he has taken blood or something to that extent, and did the same thing that Ilanipi did. But rather than have it be black, it is like this red crimson. And he's staring at you guys, too. And as you come, you look and you see that, like, there's this circle of individuals. And they're like, you, you look down at them and you realize they're mortal. And they're kind of like looking at the ground or a couple are looking up at Ilanipi and Vidar as they are sitting there or standing there. And they're looking up to him. And you can tell there's like this reverence. It's, it's almost like worshipful look and, and behavior but you could tell it's almost like their movements are slow and like the people looking at the ground you could see like their heads are moving like they're hearing a beat that 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 no one else can hear and and for a second you're confused and then you the 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 Ilanipi and Vidar soon walk towards you and they step over like a couple of the mortals who are like lost looking at the ground or who are like looking one's looking at his hands as is is if he's confused and as soon as they break out of that circle, the, you notice the mortals aren't looking at them as they were, and they're back lost to whatever thoughts they have. And the figures that guided you to you five, two of them are, are now leaving. So now it's just you five and Vi, uh, Vidar and Ilanipi. And you see Vidar, he tells you that it is time for you to reconnect. You have been alone on your own. I know sorrow has filled your hearts, but now is the time for us to perform the Valdri. I will give you the Valdri again, but this time it will be deeper. And this time you will walk away unlike you were before. Because for now, what your path has for you in life, you need to be stronger than you are now. And he turns around and he motions towards those figures that are sitting in the circle. Go, go feed off them, drain them. I will gather you when it is time. And you guys are like, what the fuck? You have no, you know what I mean? You're really kind of confused. You have no idea what he's speaking of. Eventually you guys go feed, ravage these people, do whatever. I would say you probably ravaged them because of like, you know what I mean? What you guys are going through. And out of character, what, what's going on is these bodies have taken peyote. They have drank like a peyote tea. And so now with you guys having fed off them, guess what? You guys are on a spirit journey at this moment, you know? So we're going to kind of take this, give a little bit, take a little bit. Not going to spend too much time on this. I just want to kind of cover, tackle different aspects of this trip, you know, that's going on. So Mitch, we'll start with you. As soon as you're fed, you know, like you feed off them and you got this blood all over, you know what I mean? On your hands and on your mouth. And like almost like five minutes later, you're looking at your pack and you see like Cora's just like looking up in the moon. And, and you, like, try to focus on her face, and you see, like, her face shimmers for a little bit. And for a second, she turns and looks at you, and you see, like, her face is a skull. Like, it's looking like the, like the skin and the muscle and the tendons have been ripped off her face. And she just, like, turns and looks for you. And the dark eye sockets for a second feel like they're going to swallow your soul. And then she just goes back up, and she looks, she looks at the mirror or at the moon. You see Richard slowly, like walking off on his own into the desert and for a second you want to like grasp him and tell him to stop and not to get lost because you're afraid like your pack is going to leave you again and as you look like for a second think you're going to say something to him you look and you see jasper is slowly like crawling like crawling up this the, like this incline hill towards the mouth of a cave 
And then next thing you know, you, 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 you snap out of it and you find yourself walking and you're walking in between like in this, this like dry ravine that is within, that is within between these two mountains. And as you're looking at your steps and you're looking at this riverbed, you're walking and soon the riverbed gets thinner and you start walking and it's almost like your steps are, are pushing you further into the earth. And as you get the sense of like, am I sinking? And you look and you want to kind of grasp, you realize as this ravine riverbed is getting thinner and, and you're walking deeper into earth that you're inside a trench. And as you look around, you're, you get the sense of panic because you feel like you're in these World War I trenches again. And as you're walking, you feel these hands are grasping your, are grasping your legs and your feet. And they're trying to pull you down. And, and you look down and you see like Cora's son's face as like your boot just like steps into it. And as for a second, as you realize it's too late that you stepped on his face, you realize it's not cracking and causing the blood, but rather it's sinking. And, and the, the face becomes almost like mushrooms and porous and they dissipate. And then you keep walking. This happens again. And you see like these brethren of yours and these comrade in arms that you fought with. And for, you go for like a sense of like where you're feel like you're doing them harm into like, in fact, that really what you're doing is promoting new life and you're promote or you're promoting them to become something new and that your steps and your path that you are traveling and their memories isn't, isn't going to cause you harm anymore is because you're returning to the earth and the circle of life. Does it, am I making sense by what I'm saying that like the symbolism behind that? Yes. So at this moment, while you're walking, I guess I would like to imagine that there's like an epiphany in your head where like all this clicks, you know what I mean? Where like, like where, where you were te- taught by Ilanipi about the path of honorable accord and all this is like sinks in. Is there anything you can add to that or how you feel like Mitchell, like that moment, the moment where Mitch, it would all click to Mitch and it would all make sense. And, 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 and you would officially have found a new belief system to follow as he's, I'm going to embellish a little bit here. So bear with me, please. As he's going through the trenches, Mitch will probably begin to have flashbacks. He will begin to have flashbacks of his time in world war one and faces of comrades, you know, some that survived, some that lost their lives there will start coming to him cries for help cries for sucker cries for anything more ammo in some cases and he'll realize that the sort of discipline that they had in the battlefields in many cases knowing that they were marching or running or crawling headlong into their own deaths be it by bullet mortar shell gas what have you the discipline and focus that that took, you know, Mitch will realize that that provides an order to the world better than simply following one's impulses, better than simply doing what is in your nature to do, but rather taking that and focusing it in a constructive way that allows you to do something greater, be part of something greater. And as he realizes that, slowly those comrades' faces will begin to, you know, quiet down. And at the very end of it, he'll probably see Cora's son lying in the mud, looking at him with the last glimmer of life in his eyes, nodding, understanding, and approval. I like that a lot. That's awesome. 
Good stuff. Good stuff. And we'll talk about what path you're on. And well, everyone knows, but we'll talk about XP and all that stuff when we're done here with everyone else. Finally comes full circle. All right. So again, and, and if I like, I want this to be like what, what, what just occurred there where I kind of like have an idea for like a vision and you guys can either say, Oh, I like that. Or I like to add or tweak it or, you know what I mean? Some to that extent, you know what I mean? Cause I really want this to signify the changes that your character has gone through. So uh, Jasper, you know, you're, you're like slowly get this like desire that you, <sighs> I guess like, when I picture Jasper and his his or was it oratory skills, oratory speaking skills, and like how he likes to be a public speaker and how he feels like, and, and, and I don't mean to be sacrilegious at all, but I feel like he almost has that like messiah complex in a little bit of a way. A bit, yeah, when, yeah, when he speaks, and it's like I had this idea of like when you're crawling up this like like this this slight incline of like a I don't know like a um a side of a mountain, like a little hill on the side of one of these mountains or whatever. Like when you start climbing and your hands are like going into the dirt, you you feel like you're almost getting like lifted by like, like, like hands that, that, that art, this hill is made out of, you know what I mean? And soon, like when you are like walking or you think you're walking or when you're crawling, eventually these hands are holding you up. Like they're holding you in reverence, you know? And rather than you walking into this cave, they're kind of like almost like you're crowd surfing in a way. And they're like gently guiding you into this cave where soon you find yourself on your knees and you're like looking and you see like a couple, like with the stalagmites or whatever that are hanging down, or you kind of like looking to where like, maybe this is where a mountain lion stood at one moment and you're looking on and you're trying to like grasp where you're at. And slowly when you start turning, you see figures that are surrounding you. And there are these like perfect, like Nordic Aryan, you know, men, you know, like chiseled, you know, Germanic features and blonde hair and like, and like blue eyes. And they're, and they're just staring at you and they're, they're naked, but their nakedness isn't important at this moment. It's not like what's sticking out to you. It's just that these are the fine specimens of mortals. You know what I mean? Of human beings that you felt at one time in your life was what you wanted to attain for. And what your goal, right. Was to make sure that this was the perfect man. And as you're staring at them and you feel the sense of like pride for a second, because like, this is what you wanted to be surrounded point at one point in your life. And as you look around at these figures, you start seeing like you do one turnaround. And then when you come back and you look around, you start seeing their faces are melting off. And soon the faces of these like Nordic men are becoming the faces of every single mortal that you have seen killed. And every single canine that you have seen killed since you've been brought over, you know? And, and it's just like, I don't know what dredge, what, what feelings is with dredge up and Jasper at this moment, but there just comes this point where like you're looking and, and, and I would say almost like, and you can correct me once I'm done, but I would almost say like he has an epiphany of sort that like he is serving, serving a greater good than he served before in his moral life, you know, where once it was just for the Nordic race and you know what I mean? For eugenics and all that shit to where now it's like, it's serving a purpose. And there, there's a point where you finally do a final rotation where you're just turning and looking and you see that all their faces have Wyatt's face. I mean, there are these perfect Nordic bodies, but it's just this blank face of Wyatt. You know what I mean? That is standing there staring back at you. What do you think about that? Do you have anything to add to that? Like, like what, what, what feelings would this drudge up in him? 
So definitely, as he sees like the faces sort of metamorphosize, he's like, at first he is somewhat tinged, but the somewhat because he he is somewhat um, he feels conflicted about Durini Wyatt. So at the time when he did it, it was a moment of weakness, and because he was he was hungry and he wanted to feed, and so he gave in to his beast, and so he. But then, like after he, he took his soul, it was he realized it's so much more than just feeding off of, like a human. And so he sees that it's almost like one of his. It's almost like it's like a weird mixture of uh, regret and almost like of uh, what's the word? Um, like it's it's significant to him. So he's like, it's almost like this is like a marker or something is important in his life. He has to remember this thing, this person. And so he's almost sees it. Why it's sort of like a yeah. What my I have changed, and so now I have to move on from what I was. I'm not just what I was originally. Now I am more than that. Yeah, because you, I would say like why is like a reminder of a what the real threat is, right? Like yeah. why while he wasn't completely corrupted, why it lost his way and became a victim of yours because of the greater threat of infernalism. You know what I mean? And that also now you're realizing that that Nordic dream and the scheme big picture scheme of the world isn't the perfect evolution and almost in a way what you are now and what you're becoming you know what i mean and you saw you have a perfect case example right of it going wrong and someone not reaching their potential and that's why it and now what your greatest pur greater purpose is and what you have become does that make sense because yeah. i can almost like see and you've mentioned it before and the reason i'm saying this when i see is by what you have said before is that Especially that you uh, what was that line, man. Someone brought it up who who watched or listened to that last session where like what you said when you're walking to the village. You know what I mean? I am chosen. I have a cause now. You know what I mean? And like this is a reminder of what the cause is that the masses now are dependent upon you. You know and what so, I mean? Yeah. And so I suppose like in the vision, Jasper was sort of like he would like sort of like move past the circle and say, "Follow me," and sort of like try to lead them further up. I love that. I love that. That the fact that a dude who's tripping balls on peyote thinks he has like an army of people following him as he's like going on this you know, rest of the night, like walking through these mountains and everything like that. And I would even say like, Mitch, at one point you're like, when you have some kind of clarity, you look up and you see like Jasper, like what's Jasper walking like when he tells him to follow, when he's like walking through the desert, is it like hands out wide or is he just like yeah, walking like with more like, gusto? Yeah. Just, you can even hear him, Mitch, like Jasper, be like, follow me. And when you hear that from him, like you're like sitting there looking at the, this riverbed, Mitch, and you look up and you just see like on top of this mountain, you see like Jasper's hands are like wide out and you see like the moon is like silhouetting him and you just hear like this roar, this inhumane roar come from him where he's like, you know what I mean? Like, follow me. And you, for a second while you're looking you're like, who's he talking to? And then you see these weird, odd shadows that are behind him in the desert. You know what I mean? And it looks like a mass of people. And you're like shaking your head and you're trying to like make sense of up and down and left and right. So very good. Cora, you are for a second like staring up at the moon. Like I said, that like, like Mitch had saw when you first started. You know what I mean? And there's a moment... Cause you know, you have this odd connection to the moon, you know what I mean? There's this moment where like the moon starts like taking the shape of like, maybe like a corpse, dried corpse or a skull's face. And you look and you have this connection where you see like within Mitch, you know what I mean? And you can see like, like almost like 
you have this connectivity with Mitch. I don't know. What would you, let me add, before I continue on, because I really should ask you what your what, what Cora would think at this moment when she's like seeing death personified in the moon. And, and that's not what your trip's going to be. I got something, you know what I mean? Else in store for that. And you turn and you look at Mitch right when it's starting to kick in. Like what would be going on in Cora's mind at that moment? I guess, you know, Mitch and Cora have a very, very complicated relationship in that they've bonded very strongly, but she always sort of held him responsible for her son's death. But now that she lost the humanity and everything, and she's still like, she she understands that she hates him. It's ex- it's a similar thing, but she, she doesn't understand why. But she does understand that, you know, Mitch has helped her and so, so he, she understands why she sort of likes him or considers him a very good friend. So if, what she's, what would she see in Mitch? She, she would see a warrior, but like a very tragic one, I suppose, almost, in that, you know, he used to beat himself up over it over a lot of things and just maybe, you know, all this loss or this whole change in mentality that she underwent would allow her to, I guess, in a sense, forgive him in that instant. Oh, there's this, there's this perfect moment of forgiveness that happens at that moment when like it all like sinks in, you're saying like, like you've forgiven him for like everything. Oh, that's awesome, dude. I like to hear that. I didn't, I didn't figure that. So I'm glad I asked you. I just didn't assume you see fairies dancing around behind his head. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, so at that moment when you have forgiven him, and I don't know if any of you guys have forgiven anyone in your life or whatever. And it's, that's a personal question, but it's like this huge sense of relief. You know what I mean? And that you feel that Cora, and you feel at that moment when you forgave him, like an anchor was taken off your shoulders. And you know at this moment that you can walk around the corner. You know what I mean? You know at this moment that like that that you are now you will be able to see what you want to see. And you like turn around and you and and you look for a second and you just start walking. And you are walking to like the side of one of the mountains, but you're just walking along it. And at this moment, as you're walking along the mountain, like the mountains on your left, and you're looking to the clearing on the right you're seeing like these figures staring back at you. You know what I mean? And they're, and they're, 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 they're figures of like mourning and they're figures of sadness. And they, and they, and they, oh, you try to like play, they don't seem to have any distinguished clothing that marks them out of time. But as you're just walking by them, they're within like a foot of you. And you're even like reaching out your hand and you're kind of like touching the side of their face or you're just like touching, like, you know what I mean? Putting your hand along their chest and you, and you, as you're walking more around this valley, you see that you're seeing more of them. You know what I mean? And the crowd, like it seems to start being a crowd of them and they don't seem to cause you harm because they seem to be looking at you with as much curiosity as you are looking at them. There comes a moment where you're like, start feeling the sense of like Cora ness. You know what I mean? Like the sense of like, like machismo that Cora has always had, you know, if it was shooting that sedite, you know what I mean? With the, with the fucking, with the, the rifle, or if it was just like not giving a shit and, and doing the Valdry and just like being ready to kick ass and take names. You see like a moment, the, the, the crowd parts and you see like these figures step aside and you see the figure of your son as he was in his uniform. And the figure comes walking towards you and at this moment, as he's walking towards you, he's like, age is going down 
to where like he goes from like 19 to like 16 to like 14 to like 13 to like eight. And then when he's within like two feet of you and you're looking down at him, he's looking up at you and he's like this three-year-old boy where you're like, you knew at this moment that like, this was going to be the good one. You know how you said your other kids were like dirt bags and like, they didn't give a shit about you, but you had that one good kid that didn't have any of their father's DNA. And this is a moment and you look down at him and he looks up at you and he smiles. And for a second, he reaches out his hand like he wants you to hold it. And when you grab the hand, he walks for you. He like tugs you a little bit to be in the middle of this mass of i guess spirits you know what i mean of out of character wraiths and you feel them like for a second as they give gentle they put gentle hands on on your shoulder as you walk by and as you're getting pulled in the middle you start realizing that your son's hand is losing its um i guess it's not solid anymore and soon your hand starts going through his and you feel this little sense of like of like no i don't want it to dissipate but he turns and he looks at you and he smiles and then he, his hand goes through yours and he walks off into the crowd and you can't see him anymore. But you turn around, you look and you feel all these spirits and you feel them around you. Do you have anything to add at this moment uh, during this? Well, I think Cora would be very confused because she understood why she hold, uh, held his hand and everything about that. But afterwards, she doesn't understand, like, deeper reason, emotional reason for it. Yeah, definitely. And out of character, what he was doing was trying to, like, help you turn that corner. <laughs> you know what I mean? But you yeah. don't get it yet. And that's going to lead to your thirst, I guess, of knowledge, right? Of, like, wanting to explore the path more. You know what I mean? And to learn it. Like, he was the one who just kind of, like, he, it was like, and this could be your subconscious. You don't know. You know what I mean? I don't know if it was really him or whatnot, but it's the fact that like that last remnant that was slipping away tugged you a little bit before it finally slipped away completely onto the path that you need to be on, you know? So, all right. Final one, Mr. Richard. So Richard, when, when, when this kicks in your intensity, I, I try to think of a tactful way to say how, how you've been handling things like blowing the blood, you know what I mean? Is like really magnified. And you almost forget about the pack for a second and you're just like feel this draw to like climb up this mountain and go into like like the highest reaches of this one mountain you see. And it's almost like with your aspects and your heightened senses, you look and you see like this cave opening, you know, and you like pump this blood into you, you know, he's like you're maxed out and you're just like you're you're just like near potent, your fingers are just like crashing into the side of this mountain and you're just like making your own grips as you're just like and cora you actually see this for a second right like you're looking at this swarm of like wraiths around you and you're looking around and you see like you see you see jasper like with his arms out you know what i mean like screaming and you see like mitch is just like on his knees and this river bend, and you look and you just see like jasper just like it's almost moving like as quick as like a bug would move sometimes going up something and and for a second you're like oh you know like like just kind of lost and seen him rapidly go up this mountain. As you get to this ledge, Richard, you like look around, you turn and you look and you see before you just like this, this clearing, you know what I mean? And you just, and you like breathe and you feel like you smell and just your heightened senses are kicking in. You turn and you look into this cave and you feel this cave is like, has this beckoning. It's like pulling you and dragging you in as you turn and as you walk into this cave 
you see at first it's dark and you're trying to use your heightened senses. You're seeing these tracers for a second. You can't like, you move your hand in the dark and you can kind of like see it for a little bit, but you can't like quite focus on your hand and you're trying to like move forward and you're trying to feel and you're like, has one of your, one of your hands you're putting on the side of this cave entrance just so you can feel long. And it feels like you're walking for an eternity and you start feeling this panic because you're worried that like this blood that you pumped up in these stats is just going to go away. And you're worried because you're like, fuck, am I going to be left here alone? Am I going to be left weak? I can't do anything if I'm weak. I can't, I can't find myself if I'm lost. And it's almost like you're about to borderline. It's like a bad trip. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden, as you were like looking and you're at that, right at that moment where you're about to panic, you, 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 you see color and you feel like light coming from above and you look up and you see like stars are like coming through this top of this cave and you see like this this almost like this vortex of like of cosmic dust and these are terms that you have like no idea what they are you know cosmic dust is just like spinning you see these bright lights are coming from within it and the stars are shining and you're like as you're looking up you're like shaking like in reverence because it's like almost like seeing the eyes of god as you're standing here viewing it and you and and then it comes this moment as you're like so enraptured into it and you're so seeing it that like you see like these black wings all of a sudden span out from like the single speck within this cosmic space of purple and, and, and bright starlight that you see, and you start seeing the solidified form that is of one of the, the, the visions that you had after you diabolized um, Reginald. And at this moment, you feel like this anger come up upon you. And you, you know, like you said, you feel like this empowered and you fucking leap towards it. And as you like leap up towards it and it comes down on you, you crash into it. And at that very moment you crash into it, just dust, just, it, just turns into like this dust and ash and you fall on the ground and you feel like falling around you like snow and at this moment you're like what the fuck and you're trying to like catch it and you look up and you see still that this swirling mass of cosmic colors is still above you and you and, and you feel like at this moment you hear like ilanipi's voice like like and, and he's speaking to you and, and and it's in a language that you don't understand but you you understand it though when it when when you hear it and it's like this is why we are chosen this is why we do what we do and you and you you're, you're scared for a second because you thought you're alone and you turn around and you look and you just see this figure along the the wall and the the cosmic swirl is shining light upon him and all you can make out is just his black face his neck and just like the upper part of his chest and he's like my child this is why we do what we do this is why this is why so tell me at this moment like, is there anything you wish to add to this, or how is Richard feeling during all this, or, 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 yeah, the 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 stage is yours right at the moment. Mm, I'm not sure if I want to add anything, but Richard is definitely mad with confusion. Uh, he feels uh, feel he feels a bit powerless and probably like just takes it all in, but doesn't really know what to do anymore. Like his uh, like the um the initial excitement to climb up this mountain, like it all comes crashing down. Yeah, definitely. What I was trying to go for that with there was to signify that there was a fight to be fought. You know what I mean? And like there was um, that there is something greater than your mind could perceive, but it doesn't mean that it is invincible. You know what I mean? And the fact that you can fight it and you can combat it, you can climb the highest of mountains and accomplish these huge feats 
with the power that you're given and that there's a reason why on top of this mountain where many religious figures and many religions have always seemed to learn something on top of a mountain. You know what I mean? <laughs> they climb that mountain. They have, they have gotten there. They have find like some truth and this is desperately and your, and your, your sire is there with you. You know what I mean? Your, 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 your sire is with you there to guide you through there. Like he wants you to realize that there is a fight to be fought. You know what I mean? And that, that you are supposed to fight this fight. But it very well could be, though, that Richard just, while Richard may pay its service and the very first seeds of that understanding may be embedded in his head, he's still very much a weak person who is full of doubt, that derangement, you know what I mean, bulimia. But he has finally, like, kind of figured out that there is a reason for this fight. Am I, am I making sense with that? Yeah, I believe he's definitely willing to uh, follow um, Irinipi because he's, he's reaching out for him. He's helping him. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. All right. So you, all you guys have these visions and you will just say the rest of the night, you're like walking across the, this area trying to, you know what I mean? In a reflection. And there comes a moment where like four or five hours later, you guys are having, like, you're starting to come down, you know what I mean? And like, like the, the hypersensitivity that you guys have to everything in life around you just starts like gently wearing off. And as you, you find yourself as this is wearing off, you're making your way back to the clearing. And as you're making your way back to the clearing, you see these dead bodies of like these 12 to 15 people you just ravaged. And you see like, you look and you see that now Ilanipi and Vidar are, their faces are still painted, but they're like in these white robes that you recognize them being when you guys did the Baldry again. And there's this huge bonfire that's behind, uh, behind, Ilanipi and Vidar while this is going on. But this time is a little bit more intimate. We're not going to make you roll or anything like that. We're just going to say your scores are the same. But basically, there's like this stone bowl that's like about a foot in diameter that's like on the ground. And, and both Ilanipi and Vidar are sitting there and they have you guys, you know what I mean? Slit your wrist with this ceremonial knife, put it in there. You guys drink of it. You have your Valdry scores as normal and as the you have about three hours of nighttime back and they walk back with you and soon you find yourself in the monastery and Ilanipi or Vidar says that the next evening he wants to speak to you all and uh the next evening comes around and you guys are outside of this monastery and Vidar brings up this letter that Mitch had found and he, he explains to you at this time that the Inquisition is more than simply fighting with brute strength and is more than simply fight, d d simply than more than destroying your enemies. And that oftentimes it takes rooting them out. Like he had to root out Ricardo and that he wants you to travel north the pack and to embed yourself into a crusade, which will be going on to these twin cities in the north that you guys that Mitch had read in the letter and I assume Mitch told you guys about and that you're going to act like you're a delegation from a delegate from Mexico to represent Mexico's interests in this crusade where most of these people are becoming from Montreal area and that they want you to find w what infernal motivations some may have during this crusade and to root them out and destroy them. And he explains to you that you guys will be on your own in this one, that he will not be there, that Ilanipi will not be there, that it is on you all to go there and decide judgment because it is on you to pass judgment to those who are the enemies of the sword of Cain. 
internally. Basically, in a nutshell, you guys in the next story arc are getting sent to to the Twin Cities in 1945 to, to, to quote, lack of a better term, go undercover to root out this infernalist movement that might be within the crusade. The crusade very well could be legitimate, but there you know, are some in there who are doing, who have some kind of um, infernal uh, 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 reasoning behind it. So, all right. Let's not hey, just like... if we punch a few camera faces... That's that's okay. It's okay because they're slaves in the antediluvian, right? You know what I mean. So it's like a win-win. You know, you get to kill some infernalists, get to kill some Camarilla vampires. Like fucking, everyone goes home happy. You know what I mean? But that that's awesome. All right, so we're gonna talk about spending XP. I'm not gonna just break down what you spent your XP on, the reasoning behind it, all that jazz. We will go with uh, has ever first. Uh, we'll go with uh, Mitch first since Mitch, I'm going left to right this whole time. All right. I've got it written down here first. So starting with 40 XP, first thing he's going to pull his conscience, I guess, since that's what uh, Honorable Accord has, up to two for two XP. I'm going to bring path rating up to four, which is going to cost six XP, or 12 XP, sorry. So that'll put him at Honorable Accord four. I'm going to drop eight XP into buying Dexterity three. He did quite a bit of moving over the course of the Chronicle. Uh, he's going to drop 4 XP into buying Athletics 3. Again, moving, getting around, doing stuff. 6 XP into getting Stealth 3. Fair bit of sneaking around, trying to keep quiet. I'm going to drop 5 XP into Investigation 2 uh, from sneaking around the towns, uh, trying to pick up on clues and details. He'll get a little bit better on that. Uh, put 2 XP into dodge, bringing that up to 2, and that leaves him with 1 XP remaining, which can't be spent on anything. Just gotta save it. So that's cool. I like that. I like how you spend it more on skills and, and virtues rather than disciplines, huh? That's that's pretty cool, man. So yeah, you're like single discipline. Right. Good stuff. All right. So, uh, Mr. Jasper, enlighten us on, on how the enlightened Mr. Jasper will spend his 40 XP. All right. So... I broke down, uh, I think I'm going to put 10 into uh, the path, which should put me at 4, I think. 4 dots in, in the path of Armored Court, is that right? I think that's 12. It'll cost 12. Am I, am I, uh, that's what you got to spend, Mitch, right? Yeah, it's 12. Yeah, it's 12, 12, 12, 12 I think. 12. And so and I'm actually going to go for my disciplines because I'm going to put... A, Give himself another dot in both uh, potence and celerity, which should be t- five each, because it's five to what you plan what you have already. Okay, so that's uh, twenty-two. So you still have eighteen. And then I'm gonna put let's see that about uh, three into performance, because I remember last couple of times I remember I had to do uh, uh, presence. Yeah, presence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. So that's three dots. So that's I think that's um, eight dot eight points. So that's a two. Two times the current rating, right? Yeah. So what's your current rating? I, oh. current, before I spent it, I had zero. Oh, so it's uh for a new skill, I think it's two, right? And then two, two, and then yeah, we'll say so eight. It's yeah. Three for a new skill, but oh, three. Okay, so, so three, nine. Yeah, nine. Then yep, nine. Nine for skill. That leaves me with 
nine, I think, still. Nine more. And I did. I looked around, and I think I'm going to put... Let's see, what else can I put in? Okay, then, uh, I think I'll go for another... Uh, can I go... I remember, we got Amalism, but I went Diabolized Wyatt. Can I put a, another dot into Amalism for giving me up to two? Uh, well, you have the potential to learn Amalism. Okay. So you can spend on the first dot, which uh, learning a new discipline... Out of clan discipline is seven, right? Seven XP. So well, I think out of clan it's thirteen. In clan it's seven, I think. No, in clan no, no. it's five. Yeah, no. so seven. Yeah, you can get a dot and yeah. animalism and have two XP left over, and yeah, you can choose that. to hold on to it or spend it. Um, if you have yeah, like a, a good call. Yeah, I'm gonna do that. So put seven into animalism and then just have two left over. All right. Awesome. Speak not only will he give speeches to people, he'll give speeches to dogs now too. So all right. Uh what about you? Um uh what about you uh uh Slavic? Yeah. So first off, I'll be getting three dots in my path. That costs me six XP. Then I'll be getting the first level of necromancy which costs 10 XP, and, oh, I just had the ritual that I picked out here. I Just give me a second to find it again. Yeah, while well, he looks, just... I already have it. No, no, well, I just want to tell Jasper, it costs 10 XP for animals, okay, but so I'll just I'll give... Take, I'll take one, I'll give one it... dot away from uh, performance and put it... That's still, that's just leaving me like two left over. Okay, I was just going to give you a dot. I mean, give you a um, a point of XP, man. But uh, you can do that if you want, or I'll just loan yeah. you one, and you can pay me back at the end of the next arc. Yeah. So I just take one dot, off, just one dot off the street. That's it. All right, cool. All right, go ahead, Slavic. I'm sorry. Yeah, no worries. Yeah. Go ahead. So I'll give the Call of the Hungry Dead ritual, which allows me to hear snatches of conversation uh, from across the shroud. Nice. Yeah. And, uh, and what about? What about and you got the first dot in the sepul the sepulch path or whatever they call it, right? Sep sepulcher, I think. Sepulcher path, yeah, yeah, yeah. Have fun with yeah. that one. All right. <laughs> then I will spend four experience to up my intelligence a point. So now I have two points in intelligence because you know of all the studying stuff that Cora had to do. Probably for the first time in her life, actually. Yeah. Uh, then, you know, I'm picking up with Institute 4 for 15 XP. Oh, shit. Well, I, don't even want, I don't even want to know what that is until we play this game again. I don't even want to think about it right now. It what gives me... It? It's, 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 you know, the Zulu form. Oh, my God. It's the plus three strength decks and stamina. Yeah, and, and a full moon. I feel sorry for those people out there in the and then she's gonna be around snow for the first time. You know what I mean? Like, she's not gonna be a happy person. So yeah, and um, then I think for this leaves me at thirty-five points, and then I wanted to up my conviction by one point for four XP from two to three. All right, sweet. And you're just gonna hold on to that last XP point. Yeah. All right, cool. All right, what about you, uh, Mr. Richard? Break it on down. So I just realized I miscalculated when I spent my XP. It's not too bad, um, but I will be left with three dots and I don't know what to do. Three uh, points and I don't know what to do with them yet. Anyway, um, I've put 12 into path. 
so I'm now at uh, level four. Um, I picked up Dominate 2, which uh, I thought would cost seven uh, points, but it only costs five. Mm, I've put 15 points into abilities, uh, all into talents, and I picked up some of the talents that I didn't put any dots into previously. And those are Athletics, Brawl, and Dodge. I had no points in them before and somehow got by. <laughs> so I've got put uh, five points into Willpower to buy another dot. So now I have a maximum Willpower of six. And yeah, I think that's it already. So I have three dots left. I could, I think, buy another ability, a new one, but I don't know which one. So I'm just going to keep that for now, I think. Raise your drive up. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> so you can have a high-speed chase in 1945. Firearms? <laughs> firearms, yeah. Uh, I can't raise firearms. I already have firearms, too. Ah. Uh, well, you can always hold on so, to it, and if you think of something later, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it. some options would be expression, streetwise, stuff, survival. I think, actually, I think I also got three points left over, too. So, hey, we got extra. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, I'm just gonna hold hold on to it. I don't know what to do right now. All right, that's cool. Awesome, man. I think this is wrapped up now. Do any of you guys have any questions about the story or anything like that that have been on your mind before we officially end Wars on Fire or anything to that extent? Or (laughs) you guys could probably ask me out of on the side, so probably no point in asking in here. But uh, yeah, man. Holy cow! This is it. I guess this is the unofficial twelfth session because we had a character creation session. And how funny is it in the character creation session? Alex couldn't make it, and then I had to do a second one for Alex. For <laughs> years, so, it's poetic. It's poetic. Yeah. We, we, it's a full circle, you know. So thank you everyone for watching. I appreciate it and listening. High level games, the industry's first choice in taking your games to the next level. We are a podcast blog and new media network at highlevelgames.ca. We have blog posts about all of your favorite games going up five days a week and a podcasting network with actual plays and shows that discuss role-playing games with more rolling out all the time. We are on iTunes, Twitch, and YouTube. Find out more information at highlevelgames.ca, a site that certainly isn't controlled by a shadowy board of directors of otherworldly origin. That's highlevelgames.ca. Please. Help. They're coming. (laughs) Hey, do you like World of Darkness? Do you want to introduce your friends to it? But there's one problem. Nobody reads books anymore. This presents you with a problem, doesn't it? You want to get your friends into these awesome games, but they don't have the time or wherewithal to read any of them. Well, that's where Brett the Hitman comes in. Brett the Hitman, your one-stop shop on YouTube for all things related to World of Darkness. Currently in the middle of his Werewolf the Apocalypse series, which is showing tremendous growth. It's going to the moon! That's right, watch Brett the Hitman and you will get style. Flair. Humor. (laughs) And of course, some dank meme magic.
fucking normies. Brett the Hitman on YouTube at youtube.com slash I love other people's misery. So watch now. If only for the dank memes. Tune in today. metropolitan area is constantly growing and changing. The central district is full of new buildings. The Hollywood and Wilshire districts, once far from downtown, now are part of a which spreads past Beverly Hills and out to the ocean. Why is all this going on in Los Angeles? Why is Los Angeles an exploding city? Neon Masquerade. The Demon's Mirror. Thirteen Candles. Three Chronicles running through the undead veins of the City of Angels. The Esoteric Order of Roleplayers Actual Play Podcast invites you to drink deeply. Go to EORpodcast.com and search the Duets tag to find out more. channel the video journals of Mike Bailey. Mike Bailey is a character I play in a live-action vampire game called New England Nightmares which uses the new finite studio rules for Mind's Eye Theatre. The Chronicle set in the city of New Haven, Connecticut and we run on the third Saturday of every month in Southington, Connecticut. Most of the credit for the stories told in my journals comes from the plots developed by the amazing storytellers who run my game. So the videos on my channel are basically an in-character video logs of the newly sired Ventru Mike Bailey. They follow him from his days as a naive mortal, to his violent embrace during the Anarch Revolt in the City of London, and on to his arrival on the shores of New Haven. The journals show Mike trying to come to terms with his kindred nature, his powerful but impure blood, and his attempts to hide his past from other members of the court of Prince Lucius. They put out updates every two weeks, and I love feedback and questions, so check out my channel, subscribe, and leave me a comment.